0: Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we casually discuss the Animorphs one book at a time. I'm Casey. And I'm Alex. And we're going to talk you through the plot of each book. But more accurately, take you on tangent trips, factoid phrase, and say, well, actually, as much as possible.
1: Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month, and we'll take you
0: along on our mission. And we promise to have you back under the two-hour time limit. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to
1: make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army. This book was, like, almost perfect. I don't know what what Mm -hmm. stops it from making it perfect, but, like, I just... I think a couple more humor bits would have made it, like, absolutely perfect. But, just... So... I don't
0: know. Okay, one of the things that really struck me when I was reading through this was about the humor bits. There was a lot more than I was expecting. Really? <laughs> yeah. And like, so like, especially going into it, the first half of the book, there's almost no humorous moments. And then towards the back yeah. half, like, it's just this beautiful, like, crescendo where it's like, it literally is almost written like a musical piece where it like starts on this one note and then just slowly adds to it and then has like these little, like, just beautiful little, like, parts that are, like, overtures or underscoring until it, like, creates this amazing, like, climax of this book. Like, it was written beautifully. Yes. Oh, my God.
1: And there's so much foreshadowing, and there's so much calling back to earlier books. Like, the fact that it <sighs> foreshadows the entire series as well as, like, within itself is just, like, <sighs> so tasty.
0: Okay. So now it's time to play our favorite game. If you didn't look it up, did you look up who wrote this book? I did not. Okay. Who done it? Would you like would would you, okay. Who done it is Kimberly Morris again. Kimberly Morris of number 50, The Ultimate. Number 48, The Return. Nice. Okay. Number 38, The Arrival. And I think those are all the Kimberly Morris ones as I desperately scroll through the list.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yep. some really heavy hitting books
0: yeah, wonderful. Some really good work. Ugh. this book was so good. It was phenomenal. I don't have words,
1: yeah, exactly. Like I'm ugh.
0: all right. um, I guess we're getting it. I don't know. It feels so weird. It feels like we should talk for longer, but like, I just want to get into it. yeah, I mean,
1: and we'll talk a lot at the end, I'm sure, because there's so much character stuff that I want to so get into. Much. and oh my God,
0: okay, okay, let's do all it. Right. Axe is on a mission with Rachel and James. Rachel spotted something and dove in as an eagle. James followed her on her tail, too close. He wondered if Rachel was going to reprimand him, but when she didn't, he wondered if he had any right to. He was still very much aware of his outsider status here, as, you know, he was an Andalite after all. They flew along and they observed below them as people were stopped and forced out of their cars at gunpoint, herded like cattle into subway cars, into some subterranean place to who knows where. James asks, Who are the good guys here? And Rachel goes, See, that's the problem when you can't tell the good guys from the bad guys. We have no way of knowing. Axe muses on the invasion here and host bodies, which leads him to thinking about Vizor 1 and his hatred of Vizor 1. There was a lot in this first chapter of recapping with mm-hmm. Axe's emotions involved. So. If you're reading this book, which is, this is going to be one where I'm going to highly recommend you read it yeah. <laughs> to anyone who hasn't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Axe is like really thinking about Elfangor in this first chapter and his death and what it means and how much he hates Vizer One because of Elfangor's death. And it it hits hard pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So Axe continues talking about uh, them fighting the war, the addition of the ancillary Animorphs, and how they would be considered vehicles on his home planet, and how he had his doubts at first, but he's really kind of come around after seeing how they perform, and he starts thinking about how, like, on the Andalite homeworld, that the ideas of, like, keeping them away from society for their own good are wrong, and he's like, ah, uh, human ideals aren't flawless either, but, you know, I, I think that the Andalites are wrong here. And this is... Ugh, I just love this so much.
1: I do too! Okay. I think of, <laughs> yeah, about this. Like, this is the first time we're seeing him acknowledge that externally. Like, like we've kind of, like, inferred through other people's books that, like, he had this opinion about Veckels before, and now he's, like, changing his mind. But this is the first time he's, like, acknowledging it himself. And I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I did too. And I, like... I don't know, I just love that he, the way that he came around on Hit, and then the way that he's still like, but humans can do better too. Like, this whole yeah. thing should be better. Yeah, yeah. Um, Then we veer into talking about the main team territory, where we find out that our main kids are old enough to attend high school now. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> And uh, he mentions about how he was he was still an Arith, but, you know, on his home planet, he'd probably be a cadet. But, you know, you know, war shit.
1: <laughs> He's seen enough shit.
0: He's seen enough shit. <laughs> Rachel is the one that interrupts him, saying, like, we got to do something about this. And James is like, yeah. And Axe goes, no, we should report back to Jake. And Rachel's like, what the fuck, dude? Why do we have to do that? And then James, like, backs up Rachel, like... Thousands of people will be taken in the time it takes to report back. Don't you even care? And Axe is like, normally, I wouldn't get my feelings hurt by this, by such a small comment. But I can't help but wonder why James is instructing me on how to feel in this situation. I know how to feel. Like, I I know what I'm (laughs) doing here. And then... (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Sassy. Sassy Axe. Don't um, at me, James. <laughs> don't fucking at me, you bastard. I don't want to be mean to James. I love James. But... Yeah, he's great. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, Suddenly, wham, axe is hit, and it sends him tumbling. James is knocked completely down, rake marks across his back, and is falling to the ground with a broken wing. Rachel is knocked away, and they realize that there's a formation of peregrine falcons above them, morph-capable controllers. They split up, and Axe and Rachel get tailed by these guys, and James, they just let fall to the ground, assuming that he was dead, I guess. And then (laughs) Rachel challenges Axe, and she goes, you still want to report back? And Axe is like, I do not think it is an option now.
1: (laughs) Why did they send Rachel to do recon?
0: (laughs) Uh, I mean, we never really find out what the aim of this first mission is. Do we? I don't know if I th- I it was I thought they said recon. in, like, the
1: first paragraph that they they were out doing reconnaissance.
0: Oh, maybe. Maybe I skimmed over that. I don't know. I mean, she, she has to, right? Like, it's not like they can just keep her contained at the campsite until there's a battle. Like, she has to do recon at some point.
1: Yeah, I just figured she wouldn't be, like, Jake's first choice. I don't know. No offense
0: to her. Yeah, Rachel. I don't know. Well, I mean, even if she was going out, I would assume she would be going out with, like, maybe, like, Marco and Tobias or... Yeah, like, you know. Tobias,
1: I feel like, usually does recon. I don't know.
0: Yeah, but if they're, like, getting the new recruits in there and getting them used to doing recon, you'd think that, like, maybe Jake would want to go out with James to, like, impart some... Right. <laughs> then again, Jake doesn't really view himself as, like, you know, the hero leader guy that can impart wisdom on people. So I guess... Right. I don't know. I don't it, know. <laughs> I'm having a, an argument with myself where I'm playing both sides.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe send Rachel just in case the recon goes wrong, which let's admit it usually does, and then she's great in oh, yeah. a fight. So
0: maybe that's why he sent Axe though, because like he's like, oh, James would you know get some information from Axe, and it's good to have like you know somebody who's like an alien, basically an expert on this, be able to like look out there, and then you know Rachel will be. There, and then James will have enough firepower to keep him safe. Like, I could see this. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. Well, whatever. Shit went south. (laughs) As it (laughs) always does.
1: they They got pwned by Falcons. They got
0: pwned by Falcons, And they dive and aim right for the tunnels below them. And humans that are below them start screaming and try to move out of the way. And Axe goes, yeah, it must have been a really weird sight, like an eagle and a harrier screaming down at them with peregrines in hot pursuit. But they just blew past all of the people and into the tunnel system where they could barely fit. They're like brushing the tops of people's heads if they were especially tall and trying to stay off the ceiling and... Rachel and Axe are flying along, and they hear James call out from behind them saying he demorphed, remorphed, and now he's tailing the Yerks, and he'll catch up to them. So they fly into this tunnel, they're seeing all of the terrified faces of people being loaded into these subway cars through these dingy windows, and Axe and Rachel shoot into the tunnel behind the subway car as it starts to speed up. They're kind of flying above it, and the wind is dragging them along, and it's this crazy, super fast like roller coaster, which of course acts as like it's kind of terrifying. And Rachel's like, "This is the greatest day ever! <laughs> this is awesome! <laughs> this is so cool!" Um, but yeah, so they're they're just kind of like floating along above the train, getting like sucked down the tunnel. But they aren't getting away fast enough. The peregrines are still catching up, so they decide the only way they're going to escape is to use the train to escape for them. So Axe tries to fixate on a point on the train, his eyes kind of adjust, and when he sees that there's a place where he might be able to grip, he just dives in and goes for it. Um, he barely manages to scrape a talon into the lip of the subway car, and he ungracefully thumps forward onto his face and he's having a little trouble writing himself without letting go, but eventually he is able to kind of like hunker down and and write himself in a ways, and then he's able to ride this train. Rachel just dives right in, lands on the train somewhere behind him, and like is like, This is the greatest day. I love this. And James managed to land behind her and had the opposite reaction of, I do not love this. <laughs> <laughs> So they take the train for a while, and when they had finally, like, pulled away from the Falcon controllers, they let go, tumbling out into the tunnel. Their excellent expertise at flying is the only thing that saves them. And James is like, I think my Falcon Morph is sick. Do we get motion sickness? Is that possible? I think I'm going to hurl. And (laughs) Axe is like, you should demorph just to ensure that doesn't happen. Though I have never observed this. (laughs) (laughs) so they start their demorphs and none of them have even made it back yet when the falcons catch up to them they start coming at axe who you know these falcons were a problem when axe was a harrier but he's an andalite now and he just starts smacking them aside with his tail blade why are they Rachel, morons they're they're just idiots they're just like andalite dive at them and he's just like poof, poof, get away from me yeah fantastic whatever <laughs> So Rachel reverses her eagle morph, uh, but she's not a ton of help on the ground. And James had been closer to humans, so he kind of ducks off to the side, trying to avoid being identified, because, you know, the ancillary anamorphs are still trying not to get, you know, they don't want them to know who they are, because then they'll know about the whole hospital thing. And, you yeah. Know, yeah. Um, Axe has single-handedly defeated five controllers, And he notices above his head is this power line. And he's like, okay, Rachel, James, I'm about to cut the the lights, like, be prepared. And so he slices through it and everything goes pitch black. Axe's eyes adjust. He can see kind of the shapes around him. And then a second later, James, who has gone to Lion, now mentions, like, whoa, Lions can see quite a bit in the dark. This is badass. Way more than the Falcons can. So... Good job, James, for using a morph that you needed somehow. (laughs) And bad job, Rachel, for still being a fucking diurnal bird in a fucking dark tunnel, Rachel. What the fuck? But she rectifies it pretty quickly. She rectifies it pretty quickly. She starts demorphing and then morphing again. But we cut back to Axe, the important thing here. The good boy. The good, good boy. So Axe lets his eyes adjust, and the falcons try to come at him again, but they can't really see, and he's, like, super easily picking them off one by one. Rachel goes to Owlmorph, and Axe feels her fly past, but can't hear her, obviously. He starts talking about how awesome owl feathers are. Yay, owl facts. And they are. Yeah, I love the owl facts. And they're true. They're absolutely true. It is sometimes very disconcerting if an owl ever tries to like come really close to you and like hit you, and then all of a sudden it's just like over your shoulder and you didn't even realize it was near you. <laughs> it is very disconcerting. I connected with Axe deeply in this moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, anyways, um, yeah. So she goes and takes down one of the falcons, just like nails in midair. It was awesome, but they caused a commotion. So three horkbisure controllers round the corner to check out what's going on. And when they did, Rachel kind of t- just scoots past one of them, like just brushes him like a creepy creep. And
1: so <laughs> <laughs> she did. Such a fucking creep, Rachel.
0: She she did. She totally creeped Ooh, like I'm a ghost. I'm, I'm a ghost. <laughs> I'm spooky. <laughs> um but yeah, she does that, and the Horquevizier does like a cartoonish, like, oh, what was that? And like turns and slices open the Horquevizier next to him with his elbow blade by accident. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. And like his guts come spilling out, and like he ends up falling to the track. And because he's connected to the Horquevizier next to him, when he lands on the electrified rail, they both get shocked to death. Hooray! Yeah. Um,. Wow whatever and then james leaps out at the third hork and they start fighting and axe thumps down another falcon and the last one there dive bombs him he hits it with the flat of his tail blade knocks him on the ground stunned but not dead and axe picks up this falcon with his hands and as he did the controller starts begging him like let me go let me go i'm only a few moments away and axe goes a few moments from what and the controller goes it's two hours right the time limit two hours in a few minutes i'll be free no need for kendrona or to feed to have a host i'll be free forever and axe kind of like hesitates because he th- this is kind of a moral question of like can he do this like is this really a thing but then it starts resonating with him because of tobias and the you know him being a nothlet and a bird and so he doesn't say anything. He just tosses the falcon back into the air to let it go. But what he didn't notice was Rachel tailing this falcon right after Axe tossed him. No! <laughs> oh, that's so sad. Yeah, this is one of the moments that I really... When I'm thinking about Rachel towards the end of the book, this is really one of those books that pops up a lot for me and her actions, and, like, this is one of them, where Axe lets the the Falcon go, and then Rachel takes him down. <laughs> and it's another one of those, like, did it happen? Did it not? But, like, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I'm assuming she didn't know. Like, I'm assuming the Falcon was just talking to Axe
0: when he said mm-hmm.
1: this. So, but, like, also, Rachel can see in the dark, so she must have seen Axe. Let him go.
0: Yeah. So she could and have been like, Axe, what the to...
1: fuck? Why did you let him go?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And instead, she just like soundlessly takes off after him. So, ooh, that's interesting. Mm hmm. Oh, I don't like that, Alex. Mm hmm.
0: you're just like "Uh (laughs) uh-huh yep (laughs) it's not good
1: well and james just just killed that that hork bajir too and i was like ooh, i mean like these guys are all pretty new to the war and like yeah they had that big battle um in cassie's book but like i wonder if we'll see the effects of killing on on them on the new recruits
0: i think James's horkbisher got away. I think he comes back around the corner with like the blood in his mouth, but he says, "I, I fought him and I scared him off, but I didn't, I didn't oh, get him."
1: Okay, I thought he killed him.
0: Yeah, I th- that's why Rachel wants to go after him. Right, 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 right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, but um, not to say that the new recruits don't kill in this book. So that's absolutely a valid. Yeah, point. that's true.
1: Yeah, and they probably killed in in their first battle as well. So,
0: probably, yeah. Hooray, killing for kids. This is gratuitous <laughs> called out black and white killing multiple times. Hooray. So, kids. Yeah. We're kids. <laughs> <laughs> shit. Yeah. I'm
1: uncomfortable. <laughs> anyway.
0: Uh, yeah. Some um, really good
1: shit coming up and I'm excited.
0: Okay, yeah. Let's keep going. <laughs> So Rachel lands with a flourish and tells them both they did a good job. And Axe in this moment is like, what the fuck, Rachel? Not out loud, but in his head. <laughs> he had this moment of like, <laughs> what, the what, fuck, <laughs> what the fuck, Richard? What the fuck? Anyway. Yeah, but um, he starts talking about how on his planet, she would have been, like, court-martialed or something. She would be <laughs> removed. Um, yeah, basically, she should love the cause, but not the war. And he's having a lot of feelings about her being so bloodthirsty at this moment. And so he's like, we should leave now. And Rachel just explodes. She's like, we have them on the run. We should go for maximum damage. And Axe, who's much more analytical, goes, there's three of us. And... We hadn't managed to stop the train of people being taken. We haven't finished the initial reason we came in here. We've done nothing but put the enemy on high alert because now they're going to know we're here because the Hork-Bajur, that's going to go alert them. And Rachel like paused for a moment, thought about it, and she's like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. But like she throws in a little bit of antagonism into her statement. She goes, I'm going to go Hork-Bajur. I'm going to go down the tunnel and get some information, if that's cool with you, Axe. Um, and then she's like, if I'm not back in a half an hour, then leave without me. And James and Axe said nothing, because they would absolutely leave without her. They couldn't afford to lose anyone right now, much less three of them. And so Rachel's like, don't come looking for me, blah, blah, blah. And they're just like, okay. Bye. Like, we won't. Bye. <laughs> bye, um, Rachel. <laughs> yeah, bye, Rachel. And uh, so, yeah, so she takes off, and Jake – or Axe – makes the decision right then that he's going to tell jake that uh she can't do any more missions without him there because she won't listen to anybody but him and then he starts longing for a commander an actual experienced commander who's an andalite who knows where he's coming from and that is that chapter (laughs) hooray hooray oh no i don't like it
1: It made me think of um, when Rachel and Axe were at the beginning of the final David book and they were in the mall looking for Jake Mm -hmm. and they were they were pretty kind of like back and forth on what they were doing. It wasn't one person was trying to command the other and they both weren't really sure like what to do without a proper leader. Yeah. And so like comparing that to now where there's like clearly friction between them is just so interesting to me.
0: It is and it's I didn't immediately like latch back onto that, but it is kind of like I think part of the reason Axe is so uncomfortable with it is because Rachel is trying to take a command and he's like I don't think she has authority over me. <laughs> like yeah. we're the same rank here, basically. Yeah. And
1: mm-hmm. he's probably like concerned that she's gonna do what she wants anyway. <laughs>
0: oh Even yeah. Though it could for put sure. the rest of them in danger. Oh no. I would absolutely think that at this point. <laughs> yep. Um. So these next couple chapters are rough. Very, yes. Oh, my God. So we cut back to the camp. They have all made it out. And Axe is kind of summing up who's at the camp now, who's living there, and uh, how all the families were gathered now, except for Jake's, of course. And then he mentions the newest addition there is Elena, the blind girl who escaped as Rachel from the school where they lost the morph cube. And uh, he starts talking again about Jake's family being the only ones obviously missing and how it's affected Jake greatly. And Axe even mentioned that it really affected morale when he became withdrawn and even refused to lead them for a while. But um, now he seems kind of better. Still not Jake, but better. So... He's watching as Jake is reacting to Rachel with this interest because she's describing the taxon blowing out the subway rail system and, like, digging through to the yerk pool. And Marco starts pointing out, like, wow, they're getting a lot of people in there, but they're also, like, they've trapped themselves. We could take them out in big numbers in there. And Rachel goes, oh, how? And Marco's like, well, like a bomb or explosives, like a nuke or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah. And Cassie goes, You can't be serious. And this begins this debate where Cassie's arguing, You can't just kill all of these innocent people who just want it to end, who just want to go home, who just want to be free. You can't kill these people. And Rachel's like, We have a chance to slow this thing down. Like, it's the situation is not good. We have an opportunity and we need to take it. And they all start turning to Jake, who basically just straight up admits I refuse to make a decision and take this on solely we have to vote on this like I I will not make this decision and Axe like looks around as they all start grappling with their consciences and Axe looks at Toby and as another outsider alien he starts wondering like what's she thinking because her experience is going to be more like mine like we're exclusive on our own not shared because of her history and so on. And so when Toby finally breaks the silence, it kind of, like, surprises him. And she goes, this is war. Some will die. The only question is who. And Tobias very uncomfortably says, well, I guess that sums it up. And Rachel is like, yeah, big, explode a big old bomb time. Time <laughs> to go bomb shit. Uh. And Cassie very bitterly turns to her and says, and you couldn't be happier, could you? Whoa. Whoa. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable.
0: It's so uncomfortable. Okay, and also like, no, I won't mention it now. I'll mention it later. But like, okay. it it's so so uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. All of this. So very uncomfortable.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like this whole book is kind of about like the animorphs really starting to infight, and and it's like no. <laughs>
0: yes kind of yes yeah
1: it begins
0: it begins the infighting begins so a few hours later the core team is gathered around a low campfire looking at a map trying to find out where to get explosives and they're thrown around like we could break into a military base we could try to reach out to the governor and cassie is just poking holes in every plan and Marco's like, what about going to the National Guard? They have explosives because they do like forestry and public works projects. They'll have like not like nukes, but they'll have stuff. And Cassie's like, it'll still be guarded. It'll be difficult to get. It's risky. And Marco's like, I, I didn't say it was going to be easy. I just said it's doable. <sighs> and then Rachel like pipes in with like, oh, we should get the whole team on this. This is a huge operation. We should get, you know, ourselves, the auxiliary anamorphs, the parents, the horpisher. And Jake goes, ooh, that's the entire team. Risking the entire team for one mission? Like, ooh, I don't know about that. And um, Tobias diplomatically says, well, maybe we should rethink this. And Cassie is like, yeah, we should rethink this. There's too much bad karma. And Jake jumps on her saying, yeah, well, you know what, Cassie, it'd be really nice if we had more choices right now. But now that the morphing technology is out there, we've really lost a huge advantage. So now we have to take bigger risks to make up for our advantage being lost. So, like, maybe you should have thought about that, Cassie. (laughs) (laughs) And the entire team goes silent. And Axe is like... He's acting like she's the reason the morphing cube is gone. Hmm. (laughs) He like (laughs) he thinks it, but he's like, nah, that's no. That's no crazy. That's crazy. Uh and then he like kind of backs off from there because he like realizes, like, oh shit, like there's a lot of infighting going on, and now everybody's starting to make decisions with like their own agendas and their own emotions instead of logic. And then he just says ominously, I was told this would happen. I was
1: like, wait, what? Right? What? Excuse right? me.
0: Right? <laughs> oh my god, how was that bombshell reading through it for the first time?
1: I was very concerned. <laughs> oh no. Oh I was I was pretty upset by that one fucking sentence. hmm Oh shit. I love it. Oh I love god. it when when writers can evoke an emotion with just one sentence like that and oh my god.
0: Yeah, this was a big one. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't have to wait long to find out what's going on. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> So Axe morphs to raccoon and sneaks out of the camp with a transponder in his mouth. He goes easily undetected by the Horkbouger in camp security. And he mentions that, like, you know, it's really risky to go out on your own because you're pretty exposed. But, like, much like we can't kill every animal that's native to the area that comes into our camp, the Yerks can't do it either. So, like, I'm just going to hope I remain undetected. And once he gets what he determines is a safe distance away from the camp, he boots up the transponder and connects via secure channel to the Andalite homeworld. He is talking to Jaham Estalon Forlon, who is War Prince and Chief of the Andalite Military. Da-da-da. Big boy. (laughs) Axe reports to him that he was correct. The infighting is starting to get worse, and they're not maintaining logical decision-making. And Axe also informs him of the plan to blow up the central Yurk Pool. And Jaham is basically a dickwad. He's like... (laughs) Like, he
1: is. surprising for most of the Andalites we've met, especially yeah. the military
0: ones. True. He's basically uh, like, oh, these fucking idiot kids, do they really think that destroying one pool is going to stop them? Oh, sure. Good plan there, guys.
1: I'm superior.
0: Basically. And Axe, like, starts to defend them. He's like, well, they're doing, well, and then he stops. He's like, I don't want Jaham to think that we're incapable, so I'm just gonna stop. And then Jaham goes, "Okay, Ax, stop that mission from succeeding, no matter what. You know, just don't let him do that." And Ax is like, "Oh, well." And then he's like, "Oh, and is there any changes in technology?" And Ax goes, "No, <laughs>
1: <laughs> nope, nothing, nope, nothing happening nothing, here,
0: nothing to report here." Um, and he's like. I don't know why I withheld that the Yerks now have morphing technology from Jaham, but like I just thought it would be best and I don't know, I just kind of had to react. And then Jaham's like, okay, good, so the Andalites intend to quarantine the Earth and then we'll, you know, discuss like what the Yerks are going to do with their symbiosis with the humans. And as he's like going through this whole quarantine plan, Axe cuts, like hears bugfighters in the distance, cuts the transmission and just starts morphing to Owl to take off. He's like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. And so, um, he grabs the, the transponder, he starts flying back to camp, and by the time the bug fighters get there, he's long gone. But the whole trip back, his mind is reeling, and he's like, there's no way the quarantine could be contained, not with humans as the host. Like, with their tenacity and, like, all, all their, you know, planning and scheming and conniving, <laughs> he's like, those, those guys with the Yerks will be off of Earth somehow, Not even if every Andalite ship was here would they be contained. It will be breached, and that only means one thing. Annihilation. Hooray! Oh no! (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so Axe spends the later half of his flight back just thinking about all of his friends who he has fondness for, and he contemplates, like, what if I just kept flying? Like, what if I just flew away like the Peregrine, who is moments from freedom? And then he realizes his freedom would come at a great cost. Now we get to the uh. longest summary chapter I've ever written.
1: Oh. I, okay. This makes sense to me now that I know what Okay, is. good.
0: <laughs> good. <laughs> um, yeah. I think it was just super important set up to the final few things that we're doing to, like, get through this whole reaction scene.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it sets up a lot for these books and for where we are. And um, I'm just going to read it and then we can talk it through. Okay. So Jake gathers everybody the following morning to finalize their plan. Marco and his parents had been up all night scouring the internet and hacking into National Guard databases. And they discovered that there's several thousand pound bombs nearby that they could go get. And Marco's dad pointed out that with like 10 to 12 of these things, they could kill every yerk in the compound like they they could destroy the shit out of it and rachel's like fist pumping like yeah let's go get super medieval on their butts and jake goes okay the biggest question here is how how are we gonna get this done we need absolutely everybody to pull off this plan and then cassie goes i'm out i thought i could do it but i can't i'm out i'm out my parents are out too no And Rachel just like gets her hackles up and she starts mocking Cassie like, oh, okay, Cassie, what should we do? Sit here and wait for the Yerks to find us? Or like, do you want to make it real easy on him and go for a little swim in the pool? And Cassie explodes. She goes, why do you have to be so horrible? You are, you know, you get worse every day and your own mother can't stand you. (laughs) And Cassie turns to leave. But Jake grabs her sleeve and Cassie just like continues on. Like, you don't take an innocent life, you know? Not if you're decent, not if you're not a murderer. And then she turns to Jake specifically and starts saying, I thought you knew that, Jake, but apparently, and Jake cuts her off. He goes, Apparently, you decided to make decisions for me along the line. You knew it was best for me, for everybody. Well, guess what? And Cassie like throws her hands out like she was trying to push Jake away and says, Don't, just don't, please. And there's this moment of silence where everybody is just holding their breath, staring at Cassie, who has just started to cry. And then she starts apologizing and saying, I don't know why I did it. I I just thought it was right. I can't explain why. And Marco whispers, what is she talking about? And Cassie goes, it was me. I gave Tom the morphing cube. I stopped Jake from going after him and killing him. And Axe is shocked. He couldn't believe that Cassie just said she was a traitor, basically. It seemed impossible. Like, he he rejects it in his own head, even though she said it. And uh, so they continue watching. And and Ava just goes, oh, Cassie. (laughs) And Marco jumps in with, you did what? And Cassie rushes forward, saying, Tom had the cube, and Jake would have had to kill him, and I couldn't let him do that. I had to protect him. And Rachel is barely containing her fury. She is like enraged. And she goes, you're trying to protect Jake. So you basically sold out the rest of the human race. And Tobias just kind of softly responds to Rachel saying, I'm sure she didn't think of it in those terms. And Cassie admits she wasn't thinking at all. She's like, it was an impulse or an instinct. Something just told me I had to let Tom take the cube. And I realize it seems stupid now, but at the time I thought I was doing the right thing. And Rachel actually steps forward and starts to make a fist, and Tobias grabs her wrist to stop her. And at that moment, Jake grabs Cassie, pulls her into him, and just embraces her. And she buries her face in his shoulder, crying, and he just presses his cheek to her hair, saying, It's okay. I'm sorry. It's okay. And they stayed that way for a few moments. And when they broke apart, Cassie apologized to them all, saying, I made a mistake, a terrible mistake. I didn't mean it to be. I, it, I was stupid and arrogant and dangerous, and I see that now, and I'm sorry. And Jake turns to them all and says, look, this is hard stuff, but we've got to get to work as a team. We don't have time for individual agendas. We go, we don't go, but either way... And then his voice just turns into a droning and Axe realizes he's no longer listening to what Jake's saying. His voice is still going, but he is just staring at Cassie and he has no idea what he's feeling. But whatever it was, he was pretty sure it was very close to hatred. Uh, That's the longest chapter I've ever written. (laughs) It's so much. Oh my God.
1: Oh my god, I think Cassie and Rachel's friendship is officially over.
0: Yeah. Minimum.
1: Yeah. Minimum. Shit. <laughs> oh
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> I had such mixed emotions reading this. Like, I don't know why, but this chapter on this particular read through recap hit me harder than it ever has really? any time I've read it. Yeah. Oh my god. And, like, I felt so, like, bad for Cassie. Like, I her desperation, like, comes through. It's, it's just this beautiful way that it's written where Axe is removed from the situation. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're watching it happen. Yeah. And then as it, like, fades out to, like, Jake's voice just becoming a droning noise, it's, like, oh, it just hits so hard where it's, like, yeah, I feel that rage and that, like, hatred. But, like, I also, like, feel so bad for cassie
1: i i love how that was written like we get axe's kind of first reaction of shock we cut away from him to get Mm -hmm. everyone else in on it and then we come back to axe having like processed his initial shock and now he's feeling this rage and it's like oh it was so good
0: Mm -hmm. oh no and like all of their reactions too were like marco just kind of shut down right away like he was he was like what you did what what and then like just shut down and then like rachel who like tobias like grabbed her to stop her from going to like pummel cassie right in that moment like oh my god i (sighs) i was
1: kind of shocked that jake just forgave her like i don't know if he forgave her but like he just responded very like tenderly to her in that moment. Cause he's been so pissed at her for like three books and I, I don't know. It's like, is this like him really feeling this or is this more of like a pacifying gesture? Like he's still really I mean, pissed at her, but he in this moment needs everybody to be cool because they're about to go on this crazy dangerous mission.
0: Based on the rest of this book, I feel like he really forgave her in that moment. Like, I I don't know if this is right, but like, it's it almost felt like all of Jake and Cassie's reactions to each other and the arguments and like Cassie starting from just like breaking down into tears and leaving every time Jake got mad at her. To this where she finally snaps and like gets it all out in the open it almost felt like for them like just those two it was a really cathartic moment yeah but we couldn't like we couldn't see it because we're almost okay this is what was so brilliant about this writing it almost felt like we were reading like an earlier book of like reading animorphs reading cassie and jake and them together through the perspective of this, like, very, this much darker, much more grown-up view that we have now later in the series as Axe's perspective. Mm-hmm. It was, like, almost this double view screen thing. But, like, it's... It's hard to say, right? Because we're not in either of their heads. But like watching that moment, it almost felt like that was what Jake wanted from her was for her to own it, yeah. for her to apologize for it. And now that he she's brought it up to everybody, they can move on from that moment.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like you said, like every interaction before this has just been like, the first one was Cassie says, stop treating me like the enemy. I was right. I was right to stop you. And Jake says like, no, mm-hmm. you absolutely weren't. And then every interaction after that was just Jake, like, snapping at Cassie and her, like, shutting down. So, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, you're right now that she's finally said, I did it, I'm sorry, it was wrong. then that's kind of what, what heals the rift.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it also seems like Jake has been on a trajectory that the, the further away we get from the moment when his parents and Tom were all taken like the more kind of back to normal he's being even if he's got that like tinge of sadness or like the way that he reacts differently he's kind of like healing from it Mm -hmm. and I think that that helped too like you know the closer he gets back to his leader type self the better he is at like healing those fractures in the team yeah not that I think that's strictly what this was. Like, I don't think this was just a play by him to, like, fix everything. I think it absolutely was, like, a, an emotional reaction okay. on his part. But Okay. Yeah. Uh, it made it, like, it ha- reading it through Axe's perspective, though, it really did feel like you were reading a scene within, like, within a book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was really intense. yeah
1: glad that the truth is finally out
0: mm-hmm. okay are we ready to continue <laughs> yep
1: Let's do it
0: okay so axe tunes back in about the time that toby votes that the hork bajur were ready to fight and they're just tired of hiding and they're on-, on board with this plan and marco and his mom and dad all agree and then ava drops this kind of a bombshell idea almost where she's like you know if we cause a big enough setback we could potentially chase the Yerks off of Earth and into Z-Space where the Andalites have to deal with them. This would have been like, nice to know, like, like 20,000 hours ago, Eva, <laughs> Ava. Like, maybe when they had the fucking nuke on board, maybe you could have told us then. Yeah. I don't think she was freed then, but still.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, yeah, I feel like this is a really important information that could have been revealed a lot earlier. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and, like, I don't know if she, like, just never thought they'd have the firepower to do this or what, but, like... Or saving yeah, it you as could a have last
1: resort, resort, or, yeah.
0: It, it could have come out earlier.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, they're like, listen, explain yourself. And she's like, well, I'm guessing that Visitor 1 has probably been warned that any big setback here would likely cause a reprimand from the Yerk Council... And that like a huge setback like i don't know destroying a main yerk pool might chase like the broader parts of the fleet into z space where they could potentially get the andalites involved and jake is like thinking this through and he turns to axe and he's like do you think they would step in if we did that and axe is still reeling like he is still enraged and then like you know jake's asking him about the andalite council so he's like so angry but also then this guilt starts seeping in and he goes I can't possibly know what the council will decide. And Jake shoots him this really odd look. And he goes, okay, well, step one of whatever happens next is to blow up the yerk pool. So we're going to do that anyways. (laughs) And all of the humans begin to argue and wrestle with this. And this is how it is written. Like, this, the way that this whole part is written is me and them. So the humans begin to argue and wrestle with this. Like, they start to do this. I'm doing my thing. The humans do something differently. And it was such, like, a stark contrast from how things have gone up until this point that it really stuck out to me that the author had started to do that. hmm So, um, yeah. So they start to argue. Uh, and... Um, Let's see, now I've totally lost my point in these notes. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, no. (laughs) That's okay. Okay, so uh, the whole time that they're arguing, Axe just stares incredulously at Cassie. And he goes, on my homeworld, she would have been tried as a traitor and executed immediately, not asked to rejoin and give her opinion on a mission. And Axe doesn't even care what they decide at this point. He's so horrified with Cassie. Eventually, the kids come to a conclusion that what they'll do is they'll warn everybody right before the explosion and let them try to escape. They'll, hopefully, some will be able to get out, and then some people will be able to starve out their yerk after three days. And Everybody's like, oh, okay, like that's a good compromise, sure, sure, sure. But um, Cassie says nothing, and they're like, Cassie, what do you think? And she's like, I'll go with whatever you guys decide. And Jake goes, no, that's not good enough. We need your instincts. In fact, I trust your instincts more than mine, especially right now. And I need you to weigh in. You can't just, you know, get out of this. And Cassie goes, well, I think this plan is as good as it'll get. And we're all going to have to wrestle with our own conscience and make it right with ourselves. But at least we gave people a chance. And Axe admits to himself in this moment that he always thought of Rachel as the one end of the spectrum to be feared in humanity. Because as the war went on, the warmongering, the, you know, the anger, the rage, the fighting, all humans would become like Rachel. And that had informed many of his decisions throughout his time on Earth. But then he thought, maybe I'd overlooked the much more dangerous end of the spectrum where the Cassies of the world lived. I loved that! (laughs) Yeah!
1: Oh my god! I, oh my god. So profound! The dichotomy oh, yeah. between Rachel and Cassie. Rachel, who is violent, but loyal, and Cassie as passive, but capable of
0: betrayal. Yep. So good. It's amazing. Oh my god, I love this so much. <laughs> oh, I can't deal. And the next scene is also good. Okay, let's get into it. Okay. Axe found Cassie later that night. He needed to talk to her. So they walked out to the dark perimeter of the camp and they spoke. And Axe says, I need a better explanation from you. And Cassie resists for a moment. And then Axe goes, Elfangor, my brother who died, entrusted you with the technology and you betrayed him. You betrayed my people and you let my technology go. Everybody betrayed me. (laughs) Sorry. Everybody (laughs) betrayed me. And Cassie goes... Oh my God, of course you feel that way. I didn't even think, you know, of course you feel like this. And then she admits to him, like, listen, I can't give you a great explanation. I just felt like this was the right decision. And the more I think about it, the more that I I know there's more Yerks out there that want to defect and maybe this thing will allow the Yerk peace movement to take off. Maybe this is what sparks them to be empowered, what, you know, they can see that there's a better way out. And Axe starts reeling at this. He's like, um, what the fuck? Did Jake agree with your assessment? And she goes, I haven't told anybody but you. Like, this is the first time I'm even saying this out loud. And Axe likes, he he's like, I want to rebuke her for making such a monumental decision on instinct alone without consulting anybody, without any real thought But then the memory of him knocking out Jake and taking the nuke plays in his head. And he's like, no, I didn't do the same thing. It was different. There's a way. I'll find it. (laughs) Oh, I love it. (laughs) So he's trying to separate himself from Cassie. But Cassie's continuing on. Like, I, you know, I couldn't tell them. Like, Rachel, think of her reaction. Oh, my God. Ava, she wouldn't agree with me. Of course she wouldn't agree with me. She hates the Yurks. She wouldn't. You know, another way for them to be on Earth. She doesn't even want to live in a world where there are Yurks on the same planet as her. And Axe goes, "Well, she knows the enemy." And Cassie goes, "Yeah, of course, but you know, what happened to her was awful. But like, you know, Viser One is one Yurk. The current Viser One is one Yurk, and it doesn't represent every Yurk. And she starts likening it to human leaders who are awful, but it doesn't represent the whole spectrum of humanity. (laughs) So, so fucking topical." So topical. <laughs> it's we- This entire book was weirdly topical. I know! <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yikes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then she asks Axe, can you imagine making a blanket decision for all of Earth based on only one human? And Axe, like, he says he stumbled in his thoughts because she just hit on something really close to home. Because what Axe is doing is watching the andalites make that decision and being an integral part of their decision based off of one idea one human one yerk kind of a thing and then cassie starts to you know question him like do you think i'm a traitor and he's like yes and then you know do you think you can forgive me i don't know what are you gonna do i don't know what would Elfangor think i don't know i wish i knew and because he just doesn't know what to think he leaves her quietly into the night to think and he doesn't have any conclusions, but he doesn't think he will ever feel the same way about Cassie or any other human. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I just...
1: This is one of those instances where, you know, Cassie talking about Yurk's defecting. This goes all the way back to, like, fucking book eight or whatever, when Axe took Tobias to that place and they met that York that, like, fell in love with that other York. Yeah. Like, this is... The foreshadowing for all the series, and it's all culminating here at the end, and it's very good. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: An F-Tran, like that whole thing, like, oh man. Yeah, it's it's a lot of ideas all coming here. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and I'm glad they brought up Axe, uh, that Axe himself brought up, like, the whole, like, oh yeah, I almost nuked the New York Pool myself. Like, because back when they were first talking about the plan about sending the train of bombs into the. Into the thing a la v for vendetta like mm-hmm. i was thinking of that too i was like well so you're basically doing what axe was planning on doing so yep
0: ee, eat it yep <laughs> are you ready for the next part yes I, <laughs> I cry so axe walks into the woods his thoughts tumbling but mostly one which was what would Elfangor think of all of this and he desperately wants to know while he's battling with his emotions he thought, I may die. I feel so many things. I could actually die. <laughs> um, but what he lands on after a while is sadness and pity for all of them. And he tried to remember his family back home, but the only faces that keep coming up are Tobias, Jake, Marco, Cassie, and Rachel.
1: It's
0: found family. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, don't be. It's found family. <laughs> He talked about how humans amazed him with their resiliency and their intelligence and their ability to learn. And they delighted him with their humor and their food. And they sickened him with their childishness and their selfishness and the way that they made decisions with emotion. And then Axe has to remind himself, they are children, though. We all were. If he were on his homeworld, he would be a cadet. He'd be living with his parents. But they were all thrust into this war and they had seen so much... And I believe it was at this point he referred to his childhood as a broken pit, never to come back ever again. (laughs) Um, So he starts wondering why his brother had broken the law of Ciro's kindness and giving these children the power to morph, because it was Ciro's kindness that had caused every great wrong in the galaxy. The Yurk invasion, you know, the way everything happened with the war it it would all come down to giving away (laughs) this information and he came to the conclusion that the cassies were indeed more dangerous because Ciro and cassie were like the same and they were way more dangerous than the rachels and then x hears a flutter of wings and tobias lands next to him and says what are you gonna do and x was startled but he couldn't lie to his shorm and so he's like what do you mean what am i gonna do and Tobias goes, I followed you the other night. I saw you at the transponder. I'm guessing you were talking to the Andalite homeworld. Am, am I wrong? And Axe is like, no. And Tobias goes, so are they going to fry us? And <laughs> Axe goes, why would you think that? And Tobias is like, well, it makes sense to them to do it at this point. But the question I have is, are you going to help them do it? And Axe doesn't know what to do or think here. And Tobias is like, yeah, there's there's a lot of that going around right now. And Axe suddenly goes, do you hate Cassie? And Tobias goes, I don't hate anybody right now. It's kind of weird, but I don't even hate the Yerks. I kind of understand that everybody's just trying to survive. I and maybe maybe if the morphing technology was widely available, we'd be able to give the Yerks another option. Like This has really brought up some paths that we didn't have before. And we'd be able to keep a peace. And maybe them being able to morph from slugs would be the way to go. And Axe starts picking it apart immediately, going, oh, who's going to willingly give them DNA? What about morphing sentient creatures? Haven't we always said not to do that? I'm sure they're not going to be happy with cats and dogs. And Tobias goes, listen, I don't know. It's too complicated to think of it all right now. And there's no rules. Like, this is just, this is a new frontier. We don't have plans and blueprints to figure this out. But there's another way now. We have another option. And at this point, Tobias just leaves him and Axe contemplates all of these different ideas that begin to unfold in front of him. And he goes, I do know what Elfanger would do in this situation because he's already done it. He gave away the technology and then he died. And Axe goes, I'm not going to tell the Andalite Council anything yet, because I'm not going to go and say I'm going to stop the mission and then do the mission, that's wrong, but I'm going to go with my friends tomorrow, I'm just not going to contact them, and if I die, hopefully it'll be nobly. And then he goes, now that's some real human reasoning. <laughs> oh! <laughs> <laughs> Uh. Yep. Fuck all of this. <laughs> so <laughs> good. It's so amazing. And like, I don't know. It's I. I don't like, know. the fact that Tobias
1: is like, I can't hate them because they're just trying to survive is just like. Ah. I mean it's it's like you know going back to like all those topics we had about like you know like Cassie being like oh do I hate like this animal because it hunts this other animal and I can't because it's just trying to eat and like it's, it's just it's a topic that kind of just permeates through the whole series and 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 coming from Tobias who's like a hawk and like he has to grapple with that every single day of his life and it's just so
0: good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, and, like, Axe literally describing this as, like, I can suddenly see these new pathways, like, unfolding in front of me. Like, he, I think at one point he goes, oh, my God, like, we have options because of this. We have options of how to handle this. And, like, that just, like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think blew his mind. Yeah. Um, But... The other thing I absolutely loved about this was the fact that he talks to Cassie and she can't get through to him. Like, she does in her own way, right? Like, she always will. Yeah. But Tobias is the one that, like, settles this for him. That helps him through it. And, like, the fact that we... I, like, throughout this whole series, we keep saying, like, Tobias is almost just as emotionally intelligent as Cassie, but more innocent with it. Yeah. And, like, I think this scene was just, like, a culmination of all of that. Yeah. And I loved it. Because I've never thought of it that way before. So, like, I I loved this so much. Yeah. And,
1: and it, yeah. Uh, and it just kind of reminds me of, like, back in the skunk book when they were arguing about Like, is it right to eat baby skunks? And it just, it all, like, again, it's more foreshadowing through the whole series. It's taking all those really early ideas and putting them into the final, like, start of the battle. And it's just, ah,
0: it's so fucking good. It's so amazing.
1: (laughs) And the other thing I really liked about what Tobias had to say is that, like, he's saying, we're in New Frontier, like you said, and there's no rules and we're just trying, we're trying things out and seeing what works and we're just trying to figure it out. And I was like, that also feels really applicable to the time right now. Yeah. <laughs> like we've never been in this situation before and we're just trying things out and, and, uh, and we don't know what to do. And we're just, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. I hate it and I
0: love it. And it's just,
1: I'm emotionally compromised at this point in the book
0: are you ready to get way more emotionally compromised i i suppose <laughs> okay so the animorphs and the auxiliary team flew overhead as axe led the parents through the woods and they were trying to remain quiet except for naomi who was just bitching and everything <laughs> Uh, And uh, Ava tried to shush her, and then Naomi's like, this is nuts! And Lauren's like, yeah, but we all agreed to do this. Like, let's just get it done. Let's hope for the best.
1: I love how the parents are basically their own kids. Yeah. It's just so good. (laughs) Naomi's complaining loudly, and and Ava's trying to, like, shush her and be strategic, and then Lauren's just like, let's all get along. So
0: good. (laughs) I mean, are they, like, their own kids, though? Or are their roles kind of swapped a little bit? Because I feel like in this moment, Naomi's more like Marco, where she's like, this true. is nuts. How could we do true. this? True, 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 true. They're yeah. their own and people. And, like, Lauren's trying to mitigate. They're their own people. Their own different people. But they do start to fill the niche of certain roles in the team. I can see. And I appreciate that. Yeah.
1: And I can see why they're related to their own kids.
0: It explains their children so much. (laughs) exactly. That's a good way to sum it up. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so Lauren's like, okay, let's just get it done. Let's hope for the best. And Naomi's like, hope for the best. Am I the only one that's worried about our kids? And this is when Axe chimes in, do not worry about Rachel. Rachel is the one that others are worried about. (laughs) (laughs) It's
1: like kind of funny, but also kind of like sad.
0: (laughs) I yeah I totally laughed and then Naomi's like oh is that supposed to comfort me my first child my baby girl my like little you know girl that you love blah, blah, bring him home from the hospital cute blah blah she's now a blood crazed monster and I'm supposed to feel better about that <laughs> and Tobias just privately talks to Ax and goes don't get sucked into an argument with her just you know she'll win and so Ax goes I must respectfully ask you to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> <I love Ax. laughs> And Naomi was shocked into being quiet. <laughs> I'm politely telling you to shut the fuck up. Exactly. <laughs> With all due respect, shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, He's so polite. I love him. I love him so much. So <laughs> at this point, they're about a quarter of a mile away from their target. There is some National Guardsmen working on a water main and they quietly approach them and then the adults do their thing their big acting job where all of a sudden they're loud they stumble out of the woods looking for you know looking the part of campers who have been lost for days and they're like oh my god thank god we found humanity like there we were camping. There was a bear that came through our site. We need help. We grabbed what we could, but like here we are, and the guardsmen are like, "Oh, okay. Like, is anybody sick or dehydrated?" And Marco's dad puts his hand on his chest and he goes, "I've been having some pains." <laughs> and so they radio like, "Okay, we're coming in with some campers in distress. You know, get the infirmary ready." They load up the parents in in some of the trucks. And while they start driving off, the hork drop from the trees in silence to dispatch the remaining guardsmen that had been left to continue working on the water main. And nobody noticed the gorilla hanging on to the last truck in the line <laughs> with a bunch of fleas hidden on him. Aww. Yeah. So they rumble into the base, and Marco's dad is immediately escorted out to the infirmary. And once they're out of the way, there's this super well-orchestrated plan where, like, The guys start getting out of the trucks and the hork that have been able to sneak in were ready and they start dispatching these guys silently behind their trucks. And when they've, like, maintained control of them, uh, the adults get in and start driving the trucks and the rest of them, like, kind of load into the back and they start rumbling through the base. And there's not many people out and about, so they get a couple curious looks, but, like, nobody stops them. They make it to the warehouse area, which is where they think the explosives are going to be stored, which makes sense. Um, but they need to dispatch the guards, and they need to take them all down at the same time. So they like start this really well-orchestrated lineup where like there's the main team, there's some of the auxiliary animorphs and some hork And on Jake's signal, they all go up to the guards and acts as an Andalite approaches two of them. One's reading the newspaper. <laughs> And when he gets to the commander or when he gets the command from Jake he says, "Excuse me, sir, is this warehouse locked?" <laughs> Both of the guards stand up and they're shocked and he's like, "Okay, good. Neither of these guys are controllers because like neither of them said, Andalite scum" and tried to shoot me. <laughs> and then one of them holds out his hand and starts going, "Hey fella, it's okay. <laughs> he's hey, not a dog." Like- <laughs> and Axe replies, Hay is for horses, and I am not one, though my anatomy may resemble one. And Marco loses his fucking mind. Like, Marco just starts dying laughing. Oh,
1: my God. It's so good.
0: (laughs) It's so good. And Axe is like, I don't know what he thought was so funny about this. (laughs) Oh, shit. (sighs) I loved this. I loved it. Um. So one of the guys tries to radio out, but Marco is there with Axe, and he grabs the radio out of his hand and then dispatches the guy. And the second guard starts running, but Tuan? 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 Okay. I wasn't sure how to pronounce this, and I had never written it down before now. Tuan left as a bobcat from the roof and landed on the back of the second guy, dispatching him. And Axe sliced through the lock. They start searching the warehouses. The first one is packed with spam, and <laughs> Axe goes... What is spam? And Marco goes, that's what everybody wants to know. This is like
1: <laughs> one of my favorite lines in the entire series. I was fucking living. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, man. Thank God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this was great. Oh, shit. Oh, fucking so spam. good. Fucking spam. I love it. Oh. Oh, man. Okay, so they continue on. Uh, they get out of the first warehouse because it's just provisions. They start moving down the line, and they're kind of breaking into each one. The uh, auxiliary animorphs are on the other end of the warehouses, and they're like, the adults are looking around with flashlights. Rachel's morphed to an owl, and she's looking around. And Axe starts to get really nervous. He's like, God, there's so many people here. There's so many different experience levels. Something is bound to go wrong. But they're doing so and then well James, so far. They're, they're doing so, so organized. Well. They're doing so well. Yeah. Um, and then James calls out, we found them. So they all go and assemble in the warehouse where the nukes are. Not nukes, bombs. And they find that there's are six-foot crates marked do not open without authorization and handle with care. And so they get Tobias to, like, maneuver the parents in with the trucks. Uh, and so they bring them up to the warehouse. And Toby and the horcruitsers start lifting. They're about to start loading the trucks when alarms are blaring. The horcruiser speed to load up the truck, and Jake says, Axe, you go human, everybody else stay where you are, and Jake starts demorphing himself. He's telling, um, telling them all to keep loading up the truck to get ready to go. Naomi's, like, screaming, hurry, and Rachel's like, I know, Mom! <laughs> and so they start loading up the truck, and Axe hears all of the guardsmen marching towards the gate. He informs Jake, like, oh, they're going to try to stop us there, and Jake said, okay, we'll attempt to get out, and we'll see what happens. And Marco starts wandering off, and Jake goes, hey, where are you going? And Marco's like, I'm going to go get my dad. And Jake's like, no, we came here together. We leave together as a team. And Marco hesitates, and he's like, okay, cool, I'm going to go get my dad. And Jake goes, no, I, like, order you to stay here. And Marco is hesitating, and finally it's Naomi that goes, oh, my God, Marco, your dad's going to be fine. Let's go. (laughs) And so they load everybody up into the truck, and – um. Jake orders them all to demorph now, except for Tobias, who he wants to keep watch. And Naomi's driving one truck. Cassie's mom's driving the other. Rachel slides in next to her mom and acts next to Rachel. And so uh, they leave Ava and Lauren perched precariously on top of the bombs in the back of, one of the truck. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> this never comes back into play. I just thought it was oh, really no, funny. No, not the good moms. <laughs> the good moms are going to blow. Oh, no. I hate it. <laughs> um, Yeah, so they start to roll up towards this gate and the guardsmen are there like three deep with guns at the ready. And one of them, the captain, steps forward and gestures to stop. And they note there's no weapon, nothing, just a gesture. And Naomi starts slowing down, like, Ooh, what do we do? And Rachel says, Ram him. And Jake goes, Do not ram him. But Rachel just reaches over and starts like slamming on the gas pedal. And her mother's like going, Stop, 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 and like trying to get Rachel off of her. But Rachel's determined. So she's grabbing the wheel and like on the gas. And Axe goes, I order you to stop, because he had heard Jake's command. And they are, like, barreling down on this guy. And Rachel goes, shut up, Axe. And so Axe reaches over and mentions, thank God he had his strong human arms, and he tears her off of the steering wheel. And she's so shocked that Axe actually put his hands on her that she, like, kind of froze. And Naomi slams on the brakes, bringing the truck to a stop not 10 feet away from this guy. Oh! Yeah. Don't like it. Yeah. Um. And this, okay, so this next moment, I got to read through this so we can talk about this as a okay, whole. Okay, okay. So Rachel turns to Axe and goes, what did you think you were doing? And Axe goes, you ignored an order from Jake. He gave you an order to stop. And Naomi immediately goes, yeah, I heard it too. You ignored him. And Rachel gets this stricken look on her face and then angry, and she slams her hand on the dashboard. And like... At this moment, we cut away from this because Jake gets out of the truck. But, like, holy shit, that entire (laughs) scene with Rachel and Axe. Oh, my God. It was just brutal. And that moment of Rachel, like, that, like, oh, my God, what did I do? And then, like, getting mad is just so intense. Oh. Oh, my God. Do you think she
1: got mad at, like, herself for, like, oh, shit, I almost killed him?
0: I think she got horrified with herself that she had gotten so caught up that she ignored an order from Jake because I think she's still struggling with the I'm one of the good guys. And she realized in this moment what she had almost done and how she had been ordered to stop and still almost went through with it. And then she got mad because she was upset. Yeah. Oh... Yeah. I think there's so many times in this book where we're like we're just seeing little hints of Rachel struggling so hard.
1: Yeah. Cuz yeah, she still is like I am the one who has to do whatever it takes, like I'm the one who has to cross the line and go all the way.
0: Yeah. But, exactly. Yeah,
1: when it when it starts to to contradict a direct order from from the person she reports to it's it's horrifying mm-hmm. for her.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Um but now we get to the coolest guy maybe ever. <laughs> <laughs> so Jake gets out of the truck behind them and walks forward. N- nobody acknowledges what just happened with Rachel. Uh the captain visibly relaxes upon only seeing a kid and Axe goes, "Okay, good. He's not a controller." And the captain starts telling Jake, like, oh, my God, you were in such big trouble. I don't know if this was a prank, but you are, like, fucked, mister.
1: (laughs) He shakes his finger at him.
0: He does. And Jake just very coolly says, I have the bombs. You need to listen to me. And the captain's, like uh excuse you and jake's just like he just forages on he's like do you believe in aliens and the captain's like no i don't believe in like martians and little green men and flying saucers and jake's like did you not see the governor's announcement the captain's like yeah but my superior officer informed me that that was a hoax and he kind of talks about what happened to the governor where it sounds like she was uh dismissed from office taken away you know, told that, um, they like all these people were told that she was insane or had like a reaction with medications and she was put in some sort of an institution. Oh, so no. we know that the Yurks dispatched her. We find out that, like, the guy that, that rushed over there in the police car to help her out, he got like court martialed and dismissed for like doing what the governor said and defying orders. Like, it basically everybody who they secured as an ally got taken out. Oh, uh,
1: that sucks.
0: Yeah. Um, But uh, as the captain was going on about how it was a hoax, Jake is like, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Axe, can you just come here a minute? And so Axe steps forward and Jake goes, what you're about to see is disturbing, but it is not dangerous. And you need to give me your word that you're not going to shoot. And the captain goes like, I don't know why I'm giving you my word, but I am. And so he goes, okay, Axe, start demorphing. And Axe begins to demorph to his Andalite self. And, like, what seems to always happen, the first reaction is for the captain to call for a doctor. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't know why that's everyone's reaction. Like, uh. <laughs> doctor. But um, Jake's like, no, 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 he's only demorphing, we don't need a doctor. And then he introduces him once Axe is fully demorphed as his friend, Axe Emily Esgroth Easthill, and says he's been with the Resistance since the beginning. And they shake hands. Oh. Um uh, and then Jake also mentions his brother, Elfangor, died fighting and saving the Earth. So it's a big moment. That's nice. It was super nice. Uh, Jake goes through everything with this guy. They talk more about the governor, the whole adventure there, the Animorphs, the Resistance, the yerkes. And then uh, he gave a signal and the horkbushers step out of the trucks and the soldiers start... Like, you know, they hear, like, all the clicking is like, the bullets are going in and they start taking aim. And Jake said, you said you wouldn't shoot. These are our allies, not our enemy. And the captain, true to his word, stopped everybody. And Jake says, okay, like, this is the whole situation. And just, like, finishes his whole, like, story and, like, the yerks and how they've seen people being taken into the subway. And the guy's trying to believe Jake, but he is still hesitant. Like, this is a kid. And so Naomi gets out of the car and comes forward like, oh, Captain Olsen, like, how are you? And like walks up (laughs) and shakes his hand. And we find out that apparently Naomi had gotten the captain's oldest son out of a false accusation of stealing a car. And it had saved his family and likely his career because he was like thinking about quitting to like go and help save his son, knowing he was innocent. And um, she's like, yeah, I just got out of the car to tell you that Jake's telling you the truth. And then a shot rang out and there was a scuffle and one of the soldiers had lined up Jake in his sights and had attempted to shoot Jake, but one of the other soldiers had stopped him at the last minute. And Jake goes, all right, that dude's probably a controller and there's probably more and we're going to need to move now because if there's any more in your ranks that have somehow managed to get the word out to the other Yurks, we're now in big, big trouble. And the captain's like, no offense my youngest son is older than you and i can't in good conscience, send you out of here with a bunch of bombs <laughs> i had a direct order from my superior and jake said okay if you have a direct order from your superior not to like move off the base and not to believe your governor then your superior is a yerk and you need to act on your own now and at this moment naomi steps up and puts a hand on jake's shoulder and even acts as like this is his biggest critic and now she stepped up for him, and she goes, "Listen, this kid, my nephew, is the best shot we've got. He's probably going to end up saving our lives, if not the world's life." And the oh. captain like paused and thought it over, and he says, "What can I help you with, son?" Oh, yeah. I'm glad
1: Naomi got a chance to like shine and redeem herself yeah. from her
0: shitty work. Yeah, because like. Several yeah.
1: times in this book, Axe is like, Yeah, everybody fucking hates lawyers apparently. I, I kinda hate lawyers and blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> and she actually like mm-hmm. got got a chance to shine and that was really cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, she did. I appreciated that in a way.
1: <laughs> in, a way. <laughs> in a way. Still not
0: like her much. <laughs> <laughs> she's still not great, but she's alright.
1: <laughs> she wasn't completely useless. <laughs>
0: Right, exactly, which is exactly what the next chapter is all about <laughs> is how Naomi's not completely useless. Oh. Um, no, that's not true. That is part of the next chapter, but still. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so they ask for trucks and some men and explosives, and the captain even offers to give them more. They're like, Why don't why don't you take more? Like blow it up bigger, make it make it more. <laughs> want more trucks? We'll give you more trucks, whatever you want. <laughs> And um, they're like, no, 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 we can't draw attention. So in the end, they settle on five trucks and explosives with some more volatility than they usually contain. And the captain's men went and helped the hork load up the truck so it wouldn't explode. And the captain asked about, like, what about timers and detonators? You guys know what you're doing there? And Marco's dad's like, I'm an engineer. Explosives aren't my specialty, but, you know, you learn what you have to. And the captain's like, okay, I insist you talk to my expert here. And so he, like called, like, got her, basically, they called her out of bed and, like, had this small blonde woman come over to, like, confer with them. <laughs> this is how you bomb. <laughs> this is how you bomb good. Um, well, this is going on. Axe spots Naomi leaning against a truck, just drinking water, and he's, like, he starts pondering on her, like, you know, I was really led to believe that lawyers were not useful and that she was intelligent, but not very useful. But, like, the captain had considered her very useful, and she had saved him and his family and his career. Maybe I underestimated Naomi. And in that moment, he saw Rachel approaching her mom, and he thought, maybe Rachel's realized the same thing. And he does mention that normally he doesn't consider eavesdropping appropriate, but he did listen in in this situation. And uh, Rachel starts apologizing to her mother, and then she starts breaking down, crying. Aww. And Axe goes, I've never pitied Rachel, but in this moment, I do feel a kinship with her. Aww. Yeah. Um, so then Axe starts looking around, and like as they're getting ready to roll out of here, he sees all of these moments of them saying goodbye to their families, because this is like the mission. And he sees Marco shake his dad's hand and hug his mom. He sees Naomi kiss Rachel on the cheek. He sees Tobias saying goodbye to Lauren and Cassie, and her family had wrapped their arms around each Aww. other and were touching their foreheads together. I hate- <sighs> this is so sad. And then Axe realizes, like, okay, they're all saying their but go- their goodbyes, but Jake is standing alone. Aww. He doesn't have anybody, and. So he goes up to, to Jake and he's like, I can't be your family, but I can be your friend. So he says, you are my prince. Whatever happens next, know I am proud to serve you. And Jake wistfully smiles and puts a hand on Axe's shoulder. And he goes, Axe, for the last time. And like hesitates and Axe is like, yes. And Jake just goes, don't call me prince.
1: <laughs> I have tears <laughs> in my face.
0: It's so like good. Oh, it's so
1: god. Oh. It's so good though.
0: It's so, so good. Oh, I, can't. Oh. I can't. I can't even. I'm
1: fucking dead. I've died so many times during this book and I will continue to die.
0: <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, the there's one more scene that got me real. Oh good, yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah,
1: yep, 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 yep. <laughs> 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 Shit.
0: So, the convoy rumbles into town, and they see that the yerks have escalated. They are now pounding on people's doors and rounding them up in their pajamas and bathrobes at gunpoint and marching them into the subway system. So, uh, these people are just terrified-looking, and Tobias navigates them to a guarded-but-not-yet-used entrance that he had scouted out earlier, and when they arrive... Captain Olsten is the one that gets out of the truck and orders all of these guards to move aside. And the guards are like, oh, wh- what? You're here. And he goes, I demand to speak to your commanding officer. And so the bootst- bootsteps ring up on these metal stairs as he runs up there. And the commanding officer appears and he goes, why are you here? Your orders were to stay on base. And Olsten goes, well, we got new orders. And the guy's like, on whose authority? And then Olsten points behind the guards and says, his. His. And very quickly, a gorilla takes him down, followed by a tiger, a bear, a wolf, and then an Andalite. And they dispatch all of the guards within just a moment. (laughs) So good. good. This was like one of those, like, they're so good at what they do now. It's great to see them as a well-oiled machine. I love it. (laughs) So uh, the guards quickly start unloading all of the bombs and getting them onto the platform down by the train. And then they hear it. There's a whistle and a screech as the train is approaching. And so they all gather on the platform. And in the end, it's a grizzly bear, a gorilla, a tiger, a wolf, a lion, a crocodile, a bobcat, a bull, and an andaline. And they all watch as there's these faces pressed against the windows of the subway train screaming and crying and others that are just sat on the the floor, the benches, just completely given up. And then the train screeches to an abrupt halt, just as they had hoped. The doors open and all of these people come screaming out, like some of them running down the track, some of them running up out of the tunnel, and it's just chaos around them. They don't even notice the animals on the platform. And then as like the people are finally done running out of there, these military men filed out, making some snide quip about the circus being in town, and then say they're gonna join them in center ring. So they start morphing, the military dudes that come off the train, and Rachel goes, let's get them before they're morphed. And Jake said, no, we give them a fair fight. We do not become them. And these guys start morphing. There's a rhino, a polar bear, a cheetah, and seven wolves. They get to their battle morphs, and the rhino charges, and Jake says, now. And Rachel's the first one to jump in and engage. She collides with the rhino to this insane noise, and she absorbs most of the blow, but the horn opens up a gash in her leg. And this is when the battle finally begins, with all of the animorphs streaming in, the bobcat flipping over the cheetah and Colette was there as the crocodile waiting until the cheetah stepped too close to her. She snaps its leg and then shakes its body until its head collided with the train and it lay unmoving. The wolves came after Axe and he is trying to like fight them, but they're backing him into a corner. And so he's slashing and dancing around, slicing them up Two tried to jump him at the same time, but he whipped his tail blade around and took them both out. A second later, a heavyweight lands on top of him and starts to crush him, and it's the polar bear. And he's trying to use his tail, but he can't do it effectively. And then two shots rang out, and there's a dead weight on top of him. And then two of Olsten's soldiers who had joined the fray pull the bear off of him. When he's freed, he looks around, and he sees that there's a dead bear, a dead cheetah, and a pile of dead wolves, and his heart drops he starts searching through this pile of dead wolves he's like oh my god olston's men wouldn't know the difference in battle even i wouldn't in battle and his heart drops as he thought about his last interaction with cassie and now she's dead and then he hears someone call him over and it's cassie's voice and he turned around and saw her and jake called him over as well saying come on it's time to make some decisions and we need you and he continued to just look at Cassie, and he said he didn't hate Cassie. He couldn't, and he thinks that she knew that before he Oh, did. no! Oh!
1: No! <laughs> I know. I can't handle it. I, I can't know. handle
0: all these feelings. I know, it's so it's much. It's too much. It's so much. This next one, though, is what got me. Fuck. So they're gathered on the train platform, and the bombs are loaded up. They're ready to go. They're set by Marco's dad and the expertise of of the weapons lady, and they're deciding who would go. And Jake says, obviously, I'm going. And Cassie said, well, this is all my fault, so I'll go too. And Rachel's like, no way, I'm going. And Marco stopped them all, and he said, Jake, buddy, there's no way you can go. And Jake's like, I am the only one without family. It makes sense. And Marco goes, yeah, you're without family for now but you're the one that keeps us together, you're the one that leads us, the one that we trust the most, and you cannot go. And Tobias added, you're the one that's critical to this operation. And Jake concedes, not because he agrees with any of them, but because he was outvoted and they don't have time. So he goes, but just a reminder that whoever goes probably isn't coming back. And so Axe says, I will go. And Jake goes, why? And Axe goes, for reasons I cannot disclose. But to himself, he admits it's because he was a traitor to the Andalites, and if his friends had known that he was aware of the quarantine plan, he would also be a traitor to the Animorphs. And there was, if there was a way for him to die honorably, then this was the way that he wanted to go out in this war. And Jake took a really hard look at him, and then didn't question him any further. And Axe goes, I wonder if he knows more than he's letting on. I really hope so. And then Axe thought that maybe if they got through this and all of this was over, that one day they could actually sit down and talk. One day. (laughs) Cassie volunteers to go again, and Jake said that he'll let her go because it's the closest thing to going himself. And then Marco would go, and then he's like, I don't know, Marco, I think you'd just enjoy the ride. (laughs) And Rachel starts to protest this, and he goes, no, Rachel, I need you with me. And this appeases her. And Axe realizes that the feeling of all of them in this moment was the team mending that it was much worse of a situation but it finally felt like the old days when the team was a whole (laughs) then they hear a train whistle blow behind them and jake orders them to go now if the other train finds this one stopped they would know something was up and marco cassie and axe bolt into the train car and take off there is no time for goodbyes no time to hug each other The train took off, and as they approached the other station, Marco told them to duck. The controllers would see an empty train, and they'd start firing. And they did. That chapter got me, man.
1: Oh. uh, Yep. It's very good.
0: (laughs) It's so good. And just, like, it really, I don't, I don't know how you write a feeling into a thing without ever saying it. But, like, the way that it was structured, it really did feel like the team's all ready to ride again. Yeah. <laughs> and then the fact that they couldn't say goodbye to each other, like, right before the yeah. end. It was like, this, see, this is what gets me also when Mary and Pippin get split up from everybody else. It was the fact that, like, they all came together and now they can't say goodbye before the whole team was fractured. Oh, no. And, like, I know that Lord of the Rings is a big inspiration for Applegate, but, like, it really did feel like that in this moment. Oh, I didn't even think of
1: that. Oh.
0: Yeah. I don't know. There's something really, like, every mission they go on, I don't know. There's been a few, but never has it felt like you are not coming back from this. And, like, they actually meant it. Yeah. It felt like they meant it. Yeah.
1: Oh, my God. Uh, I can't.
0: <sighs> okay. I... Let's get there. We're so close. Okay. So, with the controllers firing on the train car, the windows were shattered, and in a second, the car was filled with an acrid smoke. And Marco was shouting, but because of all the noise from the windows being shot out and, like, the air rushing past, Axe couldn't hear him. But he saw the problem anyways. A live wire had come loose overhead and was swinging over all of the explosives. And if it got ignited before they were able to get to their destination, it would be very bad. So Cassie's the one that yells, I got it. And she kind of leaps for it. She reaches up to steady herself on the bar of the subway car. She lets go. And in a second, the wire swung and touched the metal rail. And it was a nanosecond away from shocking Cassie. The train then took a corner and Cassie and Axe are thrown off their feet and they stand up right as three blue-band enter the train car and they realize they must have missed them when they took the train and they've been hiding out. Marco and Cassie aren't in morph, so it's totally up to Axe right now. So he stands up, he readies his tail blade and he gets ready to fight when a red-tailed hawk streaks past him. The hork move, but they end up grabbing the metal rail and touching it right as the live wire got it. And the three of them went almost translucent as the electricity ran through them and then they all fell dead. And because the wire got overloaded, it too was dead. We axe called out, Tobias, Tobias, where like what what happened there? And then Cassie is the one that runs to the window and calls out, Thank you, James, as the red tail flies out of the rear window of the What?
1: Tunnel. What was he doing there?
0: I guess he hid out to help him uh-huh. out. So at this moment, Marco announces, this is it. The train is hurtling down the track and they have two minutes to impact. And Marco starts approaching the, the key code and Cassie goes, whoa, 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 what are you doing? We promised five minutes. We got to give them five minutes. If you do this now, it'll only give them three minutes. And Axe goes, yes, we have to give them five minutes. That's what we said. It would be inhumane to tell them anything else. And then, you know, we, we can't. And Marco says, okay, I'm outvoted. I guess we'll, like, you know, do a coin toss to see who keys it in because you're probably going to die. And then it's like, well, there's three of us. And Marco's the one that says, well, Cassie, I don't think it should be you. Like, we can't trust you not to be the hero. (laughs) And Cassie looks embarrassed. And Axe and Marco just continue on, like, whatever. And, they, of course, they have to explain to Axe what a coin toss is. And he's like, if this is how humans decide many big... Issues, then I can understand why everything's so (laughs) (laughs) fucked here. Yeah. But um, Axe picks heads, and he wins or loses. And so he's the one that has to key in the code. And Marco just goes, see you later, Axe, as he morphs down to Flea. Cassie goes to Roach, and Axe was now alone, hurtling down the track, counting down until impact. He punched in three of the numbers and held his finger over the fourth number as he started to morph. And he was able to morph his back end first so that the last thing to go would be his finger. And he's counting it down. It's one of those 30 seconds, 25 seconds, 20 seconds. And he starts counting down and saying the death ritual as he's getting closer. And in the last few seconds, he punches the last button. And as the train hurtles off the track over the yerk pool, his finger shriveled into his roach morph as the train jackknifed and then fell into the pool. The impact was tremendous. Axe's roach body hit something, a wall or a roof or a floor, nobody nobody knows, but he survived. He was alive and he was in a liquid. So he realizes, oh God, we're in the pool. He begins to demorph and was soon an Andalite. The taxon, hork human controllers were all scrambling towards the train thinking, oh God, this was a horrible accident, but like this wasn't on purpose for sure. <laughs> And then, a second later, Axe sees Cassie's head pop out, and she kind of, like, pounds her ear and then pulls a slug Uh. out of it. Yeah. And Marco appears on top of the train already and says, okay, Cassie, like, this is your moment. Don't you have something to tell the people? And she climbs up there and starts screaming, but nobody's listening. And she's like, they can't hear me. Nobody's nobody's reacting. And Axe goes, keep trying. And finally, bit by bit, they took notice of the girls screaming on top of the train. And Cassie goes, you have four minutes now to get out of here before there's a huge explosion and everybody dies. And pandemonium ensues. Controllers take off running. If they're morph capable, they're morphing. Anything to get out of there. And Cassie, Marco, and Axe jump down and start freeing the hosts from the cages. They start taking off the chains, and they're expecting them to just run away but then some of them don't, and they start helping open other cages. One of them grabs a key and begins helping Marco open the gates, and they're all working together to try and give all of these people a chance to live when this huge octopus monstrosity <laughs> rose out of the pool behind Tentacles them. Tentacles again. Tentacles, bulbous bloodshot eyes, giant octopode monster, Ugh. and it's visor 1, of Of course. course it is. And Marco... <laughs> Marco just turns to him and goes, hey, man, we can fight. But it's got to be really short because we have about a minute and a half, like two minutes tops. Like, you know, that thing's going to blow. And Visor one does this like cartoonish like, oh, like <laughs> look back and forth like Marco, train, Marco, train. And then he just sinks back into the pool and disappears. <laughs> <a fucking> <laughs> oh,
1: my God.
0: He's yeah. like, fuck this
1: shit, I'm out.
0: Yeah, pretty oh, much. Jesus. He's like, goodbye. Okay. So he sinks back into the pool. And they're all like, yeah, morphing to save his own ass, of, of course. course. Of course. And um, yeah, that's that's basically it. So Axe takes a look around and all of the cages have been opened. The pool is almost deserted. And they kind of look back at the train in the yerk pool with all of these like dead Yerks stuck to the side of it and all of this chaos. And they're like... All right, let's get the fuck out of here. So they morph birds and they start flying up the tunnels. They catch up to the people because they're all scrambling to get out. And they've noticed that like anybody who's morphed into like a bird or anything, there's a bunch of them trampled on the ground by people who are just panicked and trying to escape. And I'm imagining very much like, you know, when there's a fire somewhere and people just get trampled and die because everybody's in a panic. And Axe says, like, this is one of the worst scenes in this whole war, is just this. And then there's this boom and there's an explosion behind them, and then a second later they're being pushed up the tunnel by, like, this wind, and there's debris, and there's rocks starting to shake loose and fall, and they're trying to keep themselves upright, and then the tunnel shakes again, and there's more explosions behind them. Rocks are rattling and falling loose. The air is filled with this debris and Axe completely loses sight of Cassie and Marco. He can't see anything. He just keeps flapping through the chaos, trying to find where he can go until finally he sees blue sky and he heads towards it. So Axe, Marco, Cassie are perched on a remaining skyscraper, viewing the absolute devastation below them. They have no way of knowing how many people they killed, but there are taxon bodies, there's Horkbisure bodies, there's human bodies, and they're all mixed together in this giant crater that used to be their town. Some of the skyscrapers around them are cracked and falling over into it, and they are all horrified. They're saying, like, this is our greatest success yet, and yet we all feel awful. Yeah. And the only silver lining that they can come up with is that in three days there would be a lot of freed people with no illusions about what they were fighting. And they're like, that's such a small silver lining, though. <laughs> a second later, they hear heavy flapping, and Jake, Rachel, and Tobias join them. They observed Vizier One's blade ship appearing overhead, and Marco's like, Of course, I guess it was too much to hope that he'd been killed. And Axe looked on everything and knew he would never be able to explain this to the Andalite Council. And they would never understand where he was coming from, even if he tried. He had completely thrown his lot in with the humans. And because we're at this point in the series, I'm going to read to you from the book. But for good or ill, I have thrown my lot in with the humans. Humans, violent but peace-loving, passionate but cerebral, humane but cruel, impulsive but calculating, generous but selfish. Humans, altogether a contradictory and deeply flawed species, and yet... And yet somehow I knew that they represented the best hope of the galaxy. Perhaps the only hope. Axe, Jake, addressing me in private thought speak. Yes? Thank you, he said. You are welcome, I answered. Then to myself I mentally added, Prince Jake. And that's the end of this book.
1: And then I started crying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I could not stop the tears. So good. So sad. So sad. Because, like, you know, they gave everyone five minutes to get out of the pool, but then everything blew up and there was a giant fucking crater and a bunch of buildings fell down. And it's like, did that even matter?
0: Yeah. It's like, some people got out, but not everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. And, like, it's got away on Cassie that. She couldn't get their attention for a full minute. She's got to be thinking how many people died because I couldn't get their attention for one full minute of their escape.
1: Which is interesting because, like, why didn't they do thought speak? I don't know. Yeah, because Visor 3 can command basically the entire York pool by screaming and thought speak very loudly. So I kind of wonder why they didn't do that.
0: Yeah, like, Axe would have had to have stepped up and instead it was Cassie's moment. And she couldn't; she was in, she was a human, self. But yeah, yeah. 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 <sighs> yeah.
1: But, wow, yeah. I, for like thirty minutes after finishing reading the book, like my heart rate was just so elevated, and I was just like sitting there, just like staring off into space, like holy shit. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, after I read it, I pretty much I. I finished reading it and I I called you like within a few minutes. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. So like I got right on this, but like I throughout this book I was like in a cold sweat at some points, oh, at no. other points I was like so angry and like at others I was like just feeling so hard for Cassie. And I like this read through I have really come to be sympathetic Way more sympathetic than normal towards Cassie, normally, by okay. now I'm like, Oh, fuck you, you feel guilty, you should feel guilty, you fucking sold everybody out, but like in this read through, I was actually like, Oh man, I feel bad for you <laughs> <laughs> uh, good, I was wondering, yeah, like what you did was fucked, but like you're begging for forgiveness, and I feel bad for you,
1: <laughs> yeah. God, yeah. I just fuck I love how these books just like take these characters that we love and put them in si- situations where we hate them and we should hate them and then
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then just kind of can redeem them in some way but kind of not all the way. I don't know. It's just it just draws attention to the fact that humans and other species are so flawed. And yeah. we don't know how to feel about them, and ah, it, oh, it's just so true to real life, and that's why I love these books.
0: Yeah, me too. That's it's a huge part of why I, I love these books, but also like, this was just like written so well.
1: It was. It was glorious. <sighs>
0: It was glorious. And seriously, like, fuck whoever at Scholastic said that people won't relate to Axe and Tobias. Like, right? oh my God. Uh, I know. They're so <laughs> wonderful. They're amazing. Oh, God. <laughs> They're, the worst. They're just the worst people.
1: Never going to forgive them.
0: I'm never going to forgive them either.
1: Think of all the Axe and Tobias books we could have had.
0: I know. Like the fact that they had to switch off was just criminal.
1: Yeah. What a disaster.
0: <laughs> what a disaster. Oh. Um, okay, so we have two issues to tackle today. Oh yeah. <laughs> shall we do character ratings real quick? And then shall yeah, we yeah. rate the order of these books? Okay. Yes. All okay. Right. This is I feel like this is gonna be really easy with character ratings. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So how do we feel about Jake? Amazing five. Amazing five. Oh, my God. Jake, the prince comment when they were all alone. I loved it. And oh, my God. (sighs)
1: Like, he's just been so sad and depressed and not himself lately. And just bringing that back is just like, ah, right in the feelings.
0: Did you think you were going to have tears over a boy saying, don't call me prince? No,
1: I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) And yet... Here we go. Here we
0: are. <laughs> oh. Um, Cassie.
1: Well, oh, going right to Cassie instead of
0: instead of Rachel. I have to because the two are so intertwined. They were intertwined. Oh. My and God. so I have to because we just came from Jake and their argument is fresh on my mind, and okay. I'm switching it up. <laughs> you can't just do this to me. <laughs> I mean, I could reverse it, but like, I we have to because we have to talk about Jake and Cassie together. Okay. Okay.
1: Yes. Uh, five fucking oh my god just
0: ugh. yeah yeah a five for sure like that when she and jake had their moment like that was monumental it was so
1: good and it and was so good i
0: just i love and she like
1: she does this like she'll do something that you know isn't necessarily like brave or honorable and then she feels so bad and then she does something completely amazing to make up for it
0: mm-hmm.
1: like i just i love that Ugh.
0: i mean i'm still so mad at her like what yeah. she did was so unforgivable
1: yeah 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 like you know consequences but. aside about like the whole like Yurks can now be free of of this chaos you know that's like that's like an unintended consequence but yeah like it's mm-hmm. just, yeah, it's I still not great.
0: <laughs> not great, but oh my God, it was so good. Like just that whole scene just got me this yeah. book. Yeah. And normally I don't think it gets me that much, but this time it really, really resonated. Okay. Oh, sorry. Okay. Back to normal order. Rachel.
1: Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, I felt so conflicted about Rachel throughout this whole book. Like she got really, really dark several times. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, frightening to me. Like, ah, uh, but then I loved that moment with her mom, where she just broke down and realized, kind of, you know, between like what she just did and what everyone was saying to her, like, "Oh, you're a monster and you're awful," and like, just the fact that she had that moment to, to realize that was just so good. Mm-hmm. So five, obviously.
0: I mean, obviously, I'm giving her a five, but I, like, with how many times, like, it's almost like she's not always a monster. She's not always acting like a monster, and everybody just keeps telling her, no, you are awful. Like, Cassie told her to her face, you know that you're horrible, right? Not even your own mother likes you. And, like, then Rachel did what? She didn't react. She didn't react at all. Like, how fucked is that? And yeah. like, yes, yeah, she goes to some dark places. And I think we get hints in this book that she also is afraid of that. But yeah. like everybody treating her like this is awful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like what we talked about in, in her last book. It's like mm-hmm. everyone thinks she's a monster, but they're not doing anything to help her. Like they're just yeah. reinforcing this and they're not yep. supporting her.
0: Yep. But it throughout that was really well written and they did so much with her for her not having a ton of dialogue or a ton of screen time. Oh
1: yeah, like every moment she was there it was so important and pertinent and
0: mm-hmm. just oh amazing. Yeah. It was. It was amazing. Uh, okay. Now that I've gone completely out of order, let's talk about Tobias. <laughs> oh I love that he was
1: kind of relegated as like the peacekeeper and the, you know uh, I just he's such a good boy. Like he's so like he's so innocent. Like compared to all of them, he's like the purest. <laughs> like Yeah. You know, he's done he's done shit too, but he's just managed to just remain this like beacon of joy and light and Oh. I mean, not joy. He's, like, very sad. He's always been very sad. But, like,
0: right, he's just so like, pure. I I loved that you kept bringing up the baby skunk conversation because, like, that is so relevant to this book. It's, like, it's almost like he and Cassie had that dialogue and, like, this is, like, a broader culmination mm-hmm. of where they netted out between the two of them. Yeah. And I love it. It's so cool. It's so great. He's amazing. He's so amazing. Fives, obviously. obviously. <laughs> Marco.
1: Oh, Marco. He's just like, I, I really felt in this book like, okay, his arc is over. He's there to just be amazing and wonderful and Marco. And so like, not, he, I feel like comparatively, he didn't have as many like, impressive moments, but he was still wonderful and I love him.
0: He was amazing. I loved him. And he was so, like, the moment I love the most was that whole "hays for Horses thing when Marco yeah. just loses his fucking mind. And it's just, like, that was a moment for me where I was, like, it flipped everything. Like, we were in this super dark, super intense, emotional, really gritty, big decisions yeah. book. And then, like, all of a sudden we're back in, like, an old Animorphs adventure. And it was yeah. just Marco losing it that, like, flipped me there.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, like, a, a lot of his role has had to be, like, oh, you have to be the joke or You have to be, you know, you have to mm-hmm. be the light for the team. You have to carry the team in this way. And then he, now he's doing it just, like, because it's him. Because it's himself. Like, he's not doing it for a reason. Yeah. Like, he just is. And that's beautiful in a way. I don't know.
0: Okay. this You totally just inspired another thought in me, too. Okay. So his thing is, right, he always has to find the humor in the situation, but most of the time, he's almost, like, saddling that himself and carrying it himself as, yeah. like, the jokester and the funny one. Yeah. And this was legitimately, he found the humor in the broader situation. Yeah. And, like, that's awesome. Yeah.
1: Oh. oh. And he made one of the best jokes of all time, which was the spam one, yeah, which spam I loved jokes. so much.
0: Very, very good joke. Uh. Um. So fives, obviously, if we didn't say that. I yep, think yep, we yep, did. Yep. Okay. What about Axe? A trillion. <laughs> a tr- One, billion.
1: <laughs> One billion infinity.
0: <laughs> One Majillion.
1: No, I was I was really scared, you know, when, when they he was first talking to the Andalite captain. Um I I really was like, Oh shit. Like we are on his last book. We are a couple books away from the series. Is it is he was he a mole the whole time? I hate this. Like, I don't want him. I don't want his loyalty to be questioned like this late in the game. This this is fucked. Mm -hmm. But I just adored that he was just like, humans fucking suck, but I'm one of them, damn it. Like,
0: (laughs) oh, so good. And like, I think that, so just something that you've missed that we talked about in the discord very recently was (laughs) um, somebody was asking, how can you think that Cassie's betrayal was bigger than Axe's? reaching out to the Andalite Council. And I think it's exactly this. It's because Cassie made a decision and saw it through, and Axe started to make the decision and said, no, I am one of my teammates, and reversed out of it. And I think that that's why, like, if Axe had gone through and, like, decided, not even if he wasn't a mole the whole time, right? Like, if he had decided, like, I am going to flip-flop on the team, I think that would have been unforgivable, like level of, like, yeah. probably worse than Cassie's. But the fact that he was torn and then said, no, I'm doing the wrong thing. I'm I'm one of them. These are my people. Like, that just brought it back for me. Yeah. That's, like, you did the, the right thing in my mind.
1: Well, and he's, <laughs> yeah. And he's, like, he's been in this position before where he's had to choose between Andalites and humans. And I think before it's always kind of been a, like, I don't know, like, his hand was force kind of I don't know
0: but like yeah no yeah for sure you know what it's I mean it's always like if you want protection you have to be one of us you're alone here like or yeah no totally I even if it wasn't that overt
1: yeah like I had to take the fall for my brother so it's like well I guess I'm stuck here yep but this yep. one is like you had like he made the choice because He, yeah, it just, uh, I can't even articulate it. You know what I'm talking
0: about. Yeah, it's, it's all wrapped up in that scene where he tries to think about his family's faces and the only thing that comes up are his team members. Uh, Like, that's the moment for me where it's like, oh my God. Like. Yeah.
1: (laughs) A trillion. Five.
0: Five. Majillion. Yeah. Majillion. Over and over. Over and over. Yeah. A Google. (laughs) A Google. (laughs) (laughs) Ugh. Ugh yeah so good um okay what are our last thoughts here before we rank our our six book series I don't think i have any yeah no i'm good okay so uh let's see our last books this was the sacrifice uh 51 was the absolute which was the marco book oh, about the governor and the whole plot um 50 was the ultimate that was the cassie book where she gave away the morphine cube 49 was the diversion that's the tobias book where he got his mom back the pupper. uh 40 the pupper 48 was the return which was rachel and david at each other again 47 was the resist resistance it was the beaver book <laughs> <laughs> the book that never happened the book that. <laughs> i know where that shit's shit going <laughs> <laughs> That's right down to the bottom of the list. <laughs> yeah, dead last for that one. Dead last. Fuck the resistance. Oh my god. Everything else
1: is going to be hard because what a really good set of books. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh my god. I can't. Oh
0: my god. What am I going to do? I don't know. <laughs> oh no. Oh my. I can't. I Can I tell you what's fighting for my number one spot right now? Absolutely. Okay. It's the Rachel book and the Axe book.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think I would agree with that.
0: Okay. Oh, but the Martha Marco book Kimberly Morris. Good. The Marco book was also good. Like, it, it's a very good, very fun book. But, like, Rachel fighting with David again. Yeah. And then this book of the team fracturing <sighs> and coming together and yeah. being such a triumph was, like...
1: Yeah, I think I think deep feelings are going to win out over absolute joy and shenanigans. So, yeah, that's a good point. Oh, shit.
0: Oh, no. Well, I have my third place now.
1: OK. Right. Wait, wait.
0: Because that's that's going to be the Marco book.
1: OK, so that one's right in the middle.
0: Yeah, that one's right in the middle. Okay. Obviously, the resistance is last. Oh. Shit, we have six.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh, no.
0: So I need my one, my two, my four, and my five. OK. Oh, all right. I think I think I have it. Okay, tell me yours. Okay, so
1: Dead Last is Jake Bieber obviously. Mhm. And then like very very close to all of the re- like all of the remaining books are very close, but I think okay. it's going to go fifth place is Cassie, fourth is Tobias, third is Marco, second is Rachel, and then first is Axe.
0: Okay. I'm going to be pretty close to you. 47 is a mile behind the rest. Fuck that book.
1: Yeah.
0: Jake book. Then for me, it's going to go the Cassie book where she gave away the Morphing Cube, not because it wasn't good, but because it made me so mad at Cassie. Right. <sighs> Tobias's book uh-huh. was very good, but you know. Marco's book. And then I'm going to go Axe and Rachel. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to swap those two because I... Loved, I loved the Axe book so much as a whole team perspective, but Rachel having to grapple with all of that adds so much flavor to these books yeah. and is obviously it's my favorite character, like, you know, getting a...
1: I think it's only because Axe is my favorite and Rachel is your favorite. Because they're so fucking
0: close. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably how it's breaking down right now.
1: (laughs) And I think the only other reason that Axe pulled ahead for me is because we really got the whole team.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And in Rachel's, we really just had, like, Rachel and Cassie.
0: Because, like, we couldn't
1: even rate characters on that one because everyone else was, like, a hypothetical. So I think that's also, like, the only reason that Axe is ahead for me. So.
0: That's that's totally fair. I mean, part of the reason that Rachel's in my number one slot is because she is my favorite character. If right. she wasn't, it probably would be this axe book for yeah. sure.
1: <laughs> our next character our next book rating is just gonna be two books.
0: Just two books. <laughs> oh, that's oh, wait, gonna break me. Yeah. Oh shit. Oh. god.
1: It's
0: so good, right? It's so good. Everything is just so
1: good. It is just so good. <sighs> Fuck, I'm all worked up
0: again. Well, any last last thoughts now?
1: No, nope, I just get to look at the next book cover.
0: Yeah, look at the next book cover. Alright. Alright, I will. The answer. Is it a snick?
1: Wow, that's a rough more sequence.
0: I don't even know what the next one, I'm trying to picture it so hard and I I can only picture the third one he looks four. like a
1: like a whippet dog like his, his face is super long
0: oh oh because he's
1: morphing okay. into a anaconda boa constrictor yep yeah it looks like a big snake there's okay. a big mustardy snake and the fucking image of the back cover is so low res that i cannot read it so i couldn't <laughs> i couldn't be spoiled
0: if i tried good oh my god the next book okay I can't say any more to you I have to we have to bail out because I am getting so excited now that you've reminded me the cover and said that about the back cover I can't talk to you anymore I'm going to die I can't talk to you anymore about this (laughs) okay let's end this okay let's fucking end it okay um okay so you can email us about oh god I don't even know what all this action going down um (laughs) All the axe shit All the act shit All of, uh, all the other shit. Okay. Message me. AnonymousAnimorphs at gmail.com. You can Facebook us. You can like our main page, which is Animorphs Anonymous. You can join our super secret, super awesome group, which is Facebook.com slash group slash Anonymous. We're called the Andalite Bandolites. That was from way back in book three. If you're just tuning in now, what are you doing? Yeah. Go, back. go away. <laughs> Oh mean- to the beginning, but not the beginning. The beginning, that's a joke you'll get in two books. Moving oh, right. No. Along. So, <laughs> oh no. So <laughs> the title of the book is the beginning. Oh shit. Anyways, Fuck. um, so uh you can find us on InstaSlam at Animorphs Anonymous or Twitter at Animorphs Anon.
1: Um if you want to join our awesome Discord server, uh please go join the Andalite Vandalite group. And you can get that code, or you can email us and we'll hook you up with that. Come join our Discord server. It's super fun. And we talk about all sorts of shit. Um, and then you can find our podcast on all of the podcast hosting sites that ever existed ever. Probably. Like,
0: literally all of them. Um, you, tell me about your comic. I have a webcomic. It's called Side You. Uh, check it out at
1: B-S-I-D-E-Y-O-U-Comic.com. Chapter three is starting. It's going to be lit, as the children
0: say. it is lit um if you love comic books from the 90s called superboy then you can sometimes find me as an accidental third host on cadmus 2 crisis a superboy podcast and it's lit i guess
1: literature no it's
0: literally about comics
1: oh dabs.
0: my puns are getting so bad towards the end here i am just struggling we're just We're all just struggling. We're all just doing our best and trying to survive. Just like these good, good children. I love them
1: all. Okay, let's... I love them so much. Let's get on a train and... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Let's ride
0: this gravy train all the way to the mashed potato palace. Oh, God.
1: And explode it.
0: (laughs) And explode it.
1: All right. Bye.
0: Okay, bye.